Welcome, Path Folk, to After Party 28 of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path, blah, blah, blah. You know what we're doing here by After Party 28. <laughs> that sound a little... Wow, that enthusiasm real low. I right am now. enthusiastic. Happy, happy Saturday, people. I am enthusiastic. I'm just saying they know the spiel, and if, if this is where you decided to jump in, uh, weird choice. But, but your choice. Welcome. We still love having you. So this is the after party for episodes 82, 83, and 84. That's true. Cherry right. race. That was the, that's the last one. Got to build up, Jordan. Hold on. <laughs> Episode 82 is the one where we investigate the roof and after some <laughs> divination figure out that there's a Sphinx. Sphinx? Hiroko Sphinx. Yeah, yeah. Not, not one that no, we that's know. That's probably the one that's been attacking the local caravans, which I think just needs to be a side quest for Falto so he can get another couple levels. Because <laughs> let's face it, if he's tagging along with us for the rest of this AP, he's going to have to do some side quests. Yeah, he's going to need yeah. some levels. <laughs> for all you know, Falto's like 10th level already. He you fell know? off a wall and broke his arm. Yeah. But he, he, he didn't have a cleric stuff. to fix it. Yeah. If he is 10th level, then he should have been the one on one of these chariots. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Now, now well, you're the one skipping ahead. The mask also gave us another vision in that episode. Sure. That was set. a weird one. Yeah. It's a set beast. Yeah. Onuris is apparently related to Setites, which he's so happy about, let me tell you. Um, so the pharaoh was dying, and then his brother shows up with these petals and says, Hey, I can fix it. And the pharaoh's like, Okie dokie. Sure, why not? What in exchange? Yeah. Six years, but doesn't specify what the six years is in reference. But apparently, to was understood yeah. what the six years were. I don't so. think he cared. I don't, I don't think. Know. Maybe no. he didn't care. I don't, I don't think know. he cared at that point either. But the two princes were let off by the other by their aunt. Yep. And their cousin. I guess the daughter was probably their cousin. I suppose. If it is. The pharaoh's brother married to... They, he married his sister. Married to his sister, and then yeah. if they had a child together, it would be the cousin of uh, yes. the two boys. And then... There's a lot of, like, child of my brother's child. Yeah, combination. weird, weird it relationships. Keeps, it keeps kind of cropping up with the whole weird family dynamic that's going on back back in the day. I really need so to know 6, years ago. what happened now. I mean, I'm probably not. Rick's oh, not no, going to tell me. Yeah, but, no, yeah. that's probably the rest of the rest of the adventure um, path. We're in the pieces. beginning. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a giant rock, and then Phrasma was sitting there. No, uh, moving on. So that was pretty much episode 82. Was the roof exploration, and none of us getting any sleep, and then the vision. Sure. And then episode 83, we went and helped Kabek with his research on his ancestor to Jared at the Fifth. Yep. And Hollis did some research on the Church of Set during uh, Hakatep's time. And learned that it disappeared. Yep. And then came back. And they do mention the high priest having a daughter, but her name's not anywhere that we can yeah. find. Which yeah, which is was, suspicious. Well, it was probably mentioned in the parts that had to do with Hakatep, which have been moved and or yep. destroyed. Yeah, so. I think Hakatep yep. married her. <laughs> That would make sense. I mean, yeah, that would be in line, I guess. And then we found the t- tomb where the tomb of Dejerit at the Fifth is for Kabek, who eventually is going to do an expedition to go see if it's still intact and fix what he can about it. And yeah. Onuris had a sad moment. Onuris did have a sad moment that episode. Well, you guys get to find out a little bit about how the line of Dejerit was the last line from the first age of Osirian. Mm. And Osirian, by the time of Dejerit the Fifth, or following the time of Dejerit the Fifth, Osirian was effectively breaking into four pieces. Um, yeah. And then that's the rise Dejerit- of the four pharaohs of Sinus. And Dejerit the Fifth was what, Onyrus' great great grandson? Yeah, a couple generations. Yeah, and then he gets positive. assassinated. Yep. Sad oh, yeah. times, and that's Possum. the end of the line of Dejerit. And then he was assassinated by one of the four pharaohs. Yeah, the fiend pharaoh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
which is the rise of the Fiend Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Numbers, uh, two others. The I lady think. and the guy. Yeah. The lady <laughs> and the guy. Yeah. Those are their yeah. official pharaonic names. Yeah. I don't remember what their uh, monikers were. Nah, I don't remember yeah, but all that all of that information pertains towards the beginning of the uh, the second age of Osirian. And Onuris was sad. I mean, I'd be sad too finding out that, you know, hey, somebody assassinated your great great grandson and then your line totally just ended. That's sad news. I don't know. Well, I mean, I imagine I'd be sad just because of that, but I don't know how much that would affect me personally if I was somehow, like, traveled to the future and been like, by the way, you know, your family line goes extinct in, like, five generations. Like, well, I never knew any of those people, but I'm sad, I guess, conceptually for them. I mean, all that stuff is important to Onuris. Yeah. It's what he's had to cling to all this time because his modern family has not been very nice to him. He conceded some stuff to... uh, that was after a week of training. Sure. Still. I, yeah. It still happened. It did still there happen. There was a montage of training, and then on your had Where feelings. Hollis was like, no. Nope. montage. And none of that training would have actually helped Hollis in the race, so Hollis stands by her decision. Sadly. <laughs> yes. That race. I don't know. You could have aided another on some of those checks if you had some rakes in driver. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> And then the morning of the race, Azaz was like, Hey, Onuris, they're going to try to kill you. Have protection from arrows. And boy, howdy did they. <laughs> and that's how we know it has something to do with Nethys. Yeah. Because why Yeah, why else? So well, How else would Kelru have known to tell Azaz to do that? I mean, they are probably also like, there are no secrets in Tefu. Also probably means that they have a spy network where, they, where the Nethians know everything that's going on in the city. I wouldn't surprise me. So there's no secrets from them in Tefu. That's what Hollis said. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. So episode... Eight, and that led into episode 84, which was the chariot race. Which, which was got, good. It chariot got really race. hairy no. there for oh, a while. That, oh my DCs god. Those DCs were nuts. Those DCs were really high. Like, Segera, like Right out of the book. Yeah, no. Really high. Oh, no, I'm sure they're right out of the book. I'm just like, dang, that was rough. I really miss Sagira. Like, it did a good job of keeping the tension up because we definitely were like, oh no, but like, Sudi and Hollis were completely not built and specced to do anything useful in this. It was bad. Yeah, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna give you a quick glance behind the screens here. You guys are 8th level now, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which means, uh, as, as we previously stated, I run my games on the fast track for the experience. And because of that, I oftentimes cut out encounters, but sometimes there are so many great encounters that I don't feel like I can cut any of them. Yeah, and so you just That's, end up being overleveled. Yeah, and so you guys actually, um, you guys are about to head into the Dark Depository. And according to the book, you should hit 8th level after you leave the Dark Depository. Wow. So you're not far ahead, but you're yeah. actually you're actually a level higher than you should have been going into that this race. This race is tough then. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I could not imagine doing that uh, lower so level. So I'm kind of interested now. Like, I know that Hollis and Sudi crashed out on, on turn 8, as you were. What the heck was on 9 and 11 and 12 that we all skipped? See, 9 has... So 9 is... Perception Intimidate. Oh, dang it. We would have been good at that. Um, no. At least the perception part. Did we skip 10 or is that one of the ones that we did? I think you landed on 10. We did 10. 11 is a reflex 20 or a perception 20. Right. And then 12 is a handle animal or profession driver 25. And I can't make... I don't even know what, what that says. Minus 8 something something. Minus 8 ranged attack. Mm. Oh, jeez. So All making right. a ranged attack at a minus 8 penalty with a... DC of 18. Okay, so good thing you skipped those, because that would have been rough. Yeah. Um, minus 8. Holy yeah, you God. missed the uh, the third assassination attempt, which was that tile. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, uh, here's a question for you. What if we lost? 
Oh yeah, think like what if we both crashed out and we lost? Like I mean, obviously we could Besides go to Mom and Opera. Besides Mom and being real mad, I mean we, we could, have to. Well, break we could have gone to Mom and Opera and been like, we got somebody tried to assassinate us, and like, would she have just been like, okay, whatever? I blame Mahatia for this, like, or would we just be screwed? We'd have to break know? in. Yeah. Uh, effectively, if you lost, you would have had to approach Mom and Opera and performed a different task for her to actually grant you access to the library, or you would have had to break in. Uh, well, we can't break into a place we don't even know where it exists. We do know where it is. Yeah. It's oh, under I the... I have, a, I have a whole slew of different tasks, but they get kind of progressively more difficult. I was going to say, this is already so. difficult enough, so that would get yeah. real rough. So, and Mom and Offer is real that people interfered with her race. Hollis is real mad about it, too. Yeah. And the Hachi is all like, there's no secrets in Tefu, and we're like, whatever. That's tantamount to an admission, though. That's the thing is, like, you know, the idea is, like, her basically admitting there's nothing that goes on in this city that I don't know about is basically saying it's my fault. We know like, it was you. I, I do like that Mamanafra is, like, keen to it, though, because, like, I kind of... Uh, Mamanafra's been kind of creeping me out a little bit. She seems to be, like, putting the tentacles around uh, on yours, but Man. then like, when but she leans in and she's like... I know what they're doing, and we're going to, you know, expose them or whatever. I was like, oh, good, you're on our side. This is good. See, but I'm not sure, because maybe because as I played through uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne, that uh, there's always a little part of me that's like, hmm, are we? Are we doing the right thing? Or is this going to be a thing? I don't think it's thing, because Mom and Offer works directly for the Pharaoh, Even and while the we... Pharaoh's not, like, the best guy in the world she's been awful. she's been parked in tefu for too long for her not to be trying to figure out what the nethians are doing yeah. and even if yeah. none of that actually really matters it's just that the hatia is bad and mom and Afra is helping us get what we need to do what we need to do and, and the I, not I, going I trust mom and Afra way more than i would ever trust the hatia yeah definitely. i kind of i do wonder though if they think we have like different means to an end like they the nethians are under the impression that we're doing a but really we're doing b and so there's like a miscommunication i think the nethians have some inkling of what happened with the mask i think they're and connected think to they, that cult yeah i think they yeah. know where the, that we have the mask and i don't even know if it's they're trying to help Hakatep so much as we can't let what happened with this mask get out because the Church of yeah. Nethus is going to lose face and therefore we're going to lose power in the infrastructure of the Osirioni yeah. nation. And so Hollis was real mad and broke a crossbow bolt instead of giving it to the lady. And yeah. now Mamad Offer has given us authority to investigate our own assassination attempt and we're staying in the palace, guys. But she's not giving us any time. You have three days. You better start tomorrow. But investigate also. Seriously, how? The investigation is what we do at night. We put I'm up, we put on night. our cowls and we put on our disguises and we I'm go vigilante. And Onyris isn't even really too concerned about investigating the assassination attempts. We know it was the Nethians. They know we're out to get us. That's the thing. Hollis wants to make them pay. Well, that's the thing that's interesting. You could play it either way. It could be the Nethians and they're trying to throw us off the scent by using mundane weapons. Or it's a group trying to make it look like it was the Nethians by dressing in clothing similar to them. It's nope. the Nethians. Azaz cast protection from arrows on me, and that was one of the major assassination attempts. I think the Nethians hired mercenaries. Now you're thinking. And then by the time we find them, because we have to mess around in this library for three days... They're just going to kill the mercenaries they hired. Well, because here's here's the here's the detail I'm picking out on that why there might be some doubt. Rick described them as wearing white robes with a black sash, mm -hmm. and we haven't seen any Nethians described that way, right? 
Specifically, no. Yeah. Um, but the Nethians tend to wear black and white in different I mean, combinations. Yeah, in different configurations, but, but yeah. Like I said, in all honesty, Onuris doesn't even give a crap about, okay, we know it's probably the Nethians. We need to get our information from this library. Who cares? I, I do think that there's grounds to be suspicious of it in that, one, it's one thing that, that Jessica brought up as Hollis during that, which was they didn't even use magic. Yep. And two, Jordan raises somewhat of a valid point, I think, indirectly. Why would you wear those colors? Why Why would you yeah. go out dressed in your church robes to assassinate somebody? Yeah. Yep. See? That's why I'm suspicious. Uh, the mercenary angle might be good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they hired mercenaries. And then it would just be weird them. that the mercs dressed as their boss's colors or whatever, but... Or people just wear white because it's hot and black's a common color. That's true. Yeah, it's I mean, true true. see, there's, a, there's so many different... That's what I kind of like about it is there's so many different things it could be. We can cast some divinations on the crossbow bolt, and then we need to focus on the frickin' dark depository. Well, yeah, as, as all of you are somewhat aware, you're walked into a nest of vipers it's already. A poli- <laughs> there's a bunch yeah. of political intrigue going on here, and... You kind of have to throw your lot in with somebody, and so far, Mom and Offer has definitely been the most helpful. Uh, yeah, yes. She's fine. Easily the most helpful. Although, again, she somewhat, uh, I guess, openly showed her hand there mm-hmm. when it was on Yuris's whole question of, okay, well, what I want is unlimited access to all the libraries. And she literally said, no, I'm not willing to, to let you out from underneath that barrel I have over you. Yeah. I know that you need this. Ergo, I'm going to keep you on this leash because, because she needs help retain. to figure out whatever the Nethians to stop yeah. whatever the Nethians. Yeah. Oh, she could easily just ask us to do that. We want to do that. We've been trying to do that. Yeah, I, I, but she's been playing the game so long. Um, she's probably not used to people just. Yeah. Well, it, doing it's it. plausible deniability, right? Like she probably might get in trouble if she was just straight up like, yeah, I want the hot yeg on. I don't think she'd get in trouble for that at all. Well, okay, let's just say that she is, though. But, like, so by not directly asking us to do something, we can't go potentially backstab her to the hot yeg and be like, hey, hot yeg, did you know? Blah, 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 It's it's all got to be the political game because there's only so much she can do against the hot yeg without concrete proof. And she needs people to go get said proof. Which is literally what we were going to do. Yeah, I know. In open, public, in front of the hot yeg. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I'm not saying she's not doing it in an indirect way, but yeah, she's most definitely doing it in an indirect way. That's how she's used to the game being I think played. I think so, too, yeah. The nobility aren't used to just doing what we're doing. That's not how they do it. Yeah. You don't go out and say, hey, person, I want you to go assassinate these uh, chariot riders. You kind of put it in a, so we have this problem, blah, 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 blah. It would be really sad if something happened to these guys and then let people kind of do their own machinations, you know? There's a, a nice chariot race you have here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You do the mobster thing. But anyway. I'm going to make him offer. He can't refuse. Those were our episodes. There's much Take intrigue. Take the Leave the cannoli. <laughs> what, what's uh, the take equi- that. Reverse that. Sorry. Anyway, on to emails for this yeah. after party. Email one is from Tom from Karamaga. Everybody loves Karamaga. Yeah, great yep. place. Greetings, doorkeepers. My spouse and I bumped into Rick and Heather at our banquet table at PaizoCon this year. Aw. Hey, Tom. I remember um, these, yes. I had a nice chat about Mummy's Mask, which we finished this July, and snagged to find the path button. I hadn't been listening to actual play podcasts at the time, but found the button about two weeks back and nearly caught up. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yay. Glad you're listening. <laughs> yeah. That was actually um, really cool. We were sitting at the table with James Jacobs. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Um, everyone's comments about your chemistry together are spot on, especially the great congenial tensions between characters as opposed to players. I appreciate your consistent grasp of the rules, though you still fall in a few of the rare pit traps. At least it's the rare pit traps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's- and we do try to correct ourselves. That's true. <laughs> 
And it's been a real treasure to experience the AP from the player side to the podcast, and I enjoy all the characters and the cat focus. As Thank I'm you. listening, the party is about to go shop- go shopping to meet her most excellent fan bearer. Sadly, my favorite was Sagira, and I had been looking forward to her encountering Mom and Afra since about <laughs> episode five. Yeah. Any thoughts on how that would have gone? I think Mom and Afra might have thought Sagira was cute because she had big muscles. Well, and it didn't come up a lot. We jokingly kept talking about Onuris's charisma and everything else, but part of the Suli description is that they are almost idealized humans. Sagira was like this idealized. I, th- I think you mentioned at some point that Sagira would have been played by the voice actress that plays Cassandra, but I oftentimes also pictured Sagira like Cassandra. Yeah. Where it's just, it's, it's attractive in a very intimidating sort of way, where she's yeah, this. She had uh, a 12 charisma. She wasn't. Grecian goddess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how she would have felt about. Mamanafra, if Mamanafra liked her, but she doesn't do well with rich people. That's true. That, there would have been an interesting dynamic for sure of we need Mamanafra's help, but she's also the bourgeoisie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Sagira's just not going to play games, so she's just blunt. So it would have been a lot harder to have these kind of like coy intrigues. Because Sagira would have been like, are you going to help us or what? What's, wrong? what? what's going on? Like, I like your cats. Yeah. Also, by the way, just tell us what we're supposed to do here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you might have been able to make a good enrolled by being nice to your cats. It's true. I had a cat too. We could have had cat playdates. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think it would have turned out a lot differently. And I think the chariot race would have turned out oh a lot God. differently. Oh my god. Oh the, the yeah. chariot race would have been a totally different game. I miss Sagara so much for that chariot race. <laughs> I, I will also bring up the chariot race, uh mention the fact that we did something that I don't know if we even intentionally meant to do it, but I or maybe we, we did we talked about it off air. We put the people with the best dice luck on the same chariot <laughs> and we put the people with the worst dice luck on the same chariot so that we could make sure that we hopefully got at least one of them across the finish line I first. Don't, but I don't even know just like skill wise if we changed the combination not even factoring in dice luck of just like abilities I don't think it would have necessarily benefited us to yeah. change it up. I don't know. Because yeah, we had know. one magic user and one non-magic user per chariot. Yeah, that's true. The only thing that would have been a huge benefit is the fact that you have the two people that have the highest perception scores on one chariot. Yeah. And perception was a reoccurring thing. So if if Onuris and Hollis had been on the same side, then... You know, maybe you could have balanced out the perception checks. Sudi's perception isn't bad. Yeah, no, I mean, so I, fifteen. Yeah, I have fifteen. Oh, actually, Sudi's got great perception. When yeah, I don't, when, I'm, when I when I have extra eyes, yeah, yeah what I can see. Anyway, thank you, Tom from Karamaga, for your email. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Our next email is. It was great meeting you and your spouse. Our next email is from Jim from Saint Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, needs to be somewhere a little bit further north, I think. But friendly. So St. Paul, so maybe somewhere in... Uh, my mind immediately went to Andoran, because it's like, you know, Andoran's got... It could have a little bit of colder climate somewhere in the northern portions of Andoran. There's Falcon's yeah. Hollow, which isn't really a nice place, per se, but it's very woodsy. I know, but I'm... Yeah, thinking, sure. Yeah, Falcon's right, Hollow. So from, uh, yeah, Falcon's Falcon's Falcon Hollow. Yeah, Falcon's Hollow, all right. Watch out for those Aspis people, though. <laughs> He says, hello, my name is Jim, and I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. No, no, you're not. You're from Andoran. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I came across your podcast by Googling for Pathfinder Adventure Podcast. Huh? I tried out several and determined yours was the best quality and story. Well, thank Bell, you. Thank oh, you very yeah, much. Thank you. Um, your knowledge of the game comes through and your friendships come through, and overall, you tell an excellent story. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. I work in mental health, and my days are very stressful. 
I understand that. Yeah. I don't I work feel, in mental I, health, but I work at a hospital, so I, I totally. You are you are an unsung <laughs> hero, sir. Yes. Yes. Um, goodness. On my car rides home, I need to step away from reality, and I do that by joining you to hear about your group's adventures. I very much enjoy the story, and I can say that my work as a mental health provider is likely better since I have a way to unwind after stressful days. Oh, well, that's good. That's thank that's, you. That's weird. That, yeah. that means yeah. a lot to us. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really cool. that's amazing to hear. And keep up the excellent storytelling. So thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Yes, yeah. thank I don't really you very question much. email so much. It's just a uh, it's a feel good email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, email three is Josh from Vancouver, British Columbia. Hey, Josh. Where did we say the they're from the elements? He's from Air, right? British Columbia. No, British Columbia is not near Canada, is it? Is it near British, British Columbia? British Columbia is, is in Canada. Canada. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Cut that. So he's from Vancouver, which makes yeah, plane of air. air. How's that treating you? Yeah. How's the plane of air where you can't yes, see anyone treating Canadians. you? Everything is. Everybody's just air. So Josh, so polite. from uh, the elemental plane of air, says, oh. "Hey." That he must have met Nimbus. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, you guys, I just wanted to say I found the podcast maybe three weeks ago and have been very much appreciating it. Awesome. I've been gaming for years, but recently, mostly due to not being able to find a game, I started DMing Pathfinder 1.0, a Rise of the Rune Lords campaign. Best AP. That is Heather's favorite. Yes. Having never DMed before, it's rather daunting, but wicked fun. C- kudos to you. Congratulations on taking the dive. It's yes. worth it. I've taken a lot from how Rick manages the game, as well as some of the other podcasts I listen to, how descriptions happen, giving the PCs just enough to bite on, etc. I just listened to After Party 9, the end of book 1, and it was mentioned how in Rise of the Rune Lords, the big bad isn't truly revealed until book 4. After 6 games, my PCs just finished the Catacombs of Wrath, mm-hmm. which at the end of it, the Cleric Sorcerer decided he wanted to take a drink out of the orange, boiling liquid from the <laughs> back of William's wow. chamber. No. Okay. Why would you do that? Wow. Okay. They died. Oh they my died, god. What are they playing now? <laughs> to which I left the last game there as a cliffhanger. Oh my god, why? So- so what they, they going to play out now? Of the well of sin. <laughs> wow. Next next game, I plan on having him have visions, giving him some history of the rise of the first leader, having him gathering the rune lords, and eventually the death of him, as well as intermixing some of the characters' <laughs> backstory. Oh my god! Wait, don't how drink did they survive? <laughs> That's a well. I think they established in there that it does some sort of weird rage thing to you because it's one of the rage. It's one uh, yeah. Of, it's, it's it's the rune lord of wrath. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but no, that's that's actually it's a really yeah. interesting way to do some background exposition. No, that's that's yeah. a great yeah. idea yeah. to to take something that your character that your PCs did that was. Let's just say ill-advised and turn it into a yeah. They are so smart. But yeah, taking something that was ill-advised and turning it into a good storytelling element. Take a negative and make it into a positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anywho, didn't want to bog you all down. Just wanted to give my thanks for the inspiration on how to craft a more in-depth world. Cheers, Josh. <laughs> Very so, nice. Cool. Good luck Thank with that. you. Yeah, good luck with that guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I fear for your PC's safety. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things to drink I, in that. I, I would like... Yes. I'm yeah, there are a lot of things to drink in that eventually. I, I would need, I'm going to need some updates. Yeah, we definitely want some Let updates later on. the next thing they drink. Let us know how book two goes. <laughs> And our next email is from Patrick from Nor- Norwich in the UK, and he has in parentheses Sandpoint. Sandpoint. So he's from Sandpoint. Nice. Sandpoint's, Sandpoint's a good place to be from. Nah. Mm. Lots of adventurers get their start there. Sure, Book one true. of Rise of the Rune Lords might not say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There Book was a lot of unpleasantness. <laughs> yes, there's some late unpleasantness. There's some unpleasantness going on. Anyway, Patrick says, starting these, starting these things is weird. I've never written fan mail before. Well, thank you. We are more than happy to hear from you. Um, I suffer from varying degrees of depression and finding things 
things that make it seem like it's worth getting out of bed and enjoying the rest of the world can be hard. Mm-hmm. You guys have really helped me over the last couple of months, during which I've binged fairly heavily and I'm all cut up, joining the ranks of those who have to wait patiently for new episodes. That so sucks. thank you for that. Well, I'm glad we can, we can there, yeah. help you. The hour or so I can spend listening to you makes the rest of this sh- that much more bearable. It's been a long time since I've played, and being able to play vicariously with you is hugely enjoyable. As is tradition, a couple of questions. <laughs> right. um, tradition. With now. half the party now stone, episode 79 just dropped, so hopefully that's <laughs> oh. been fixed. Yeah, yeah. Do you have backup characters waiting for when the inevitable happens? Are they fully fleshed out or just a rough idea that you can shape to fit better when they make their first appearance? I'm playing a chicken with class levels. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that was a, that was a semi-serious yeah. joke. Yeah, a semi-serious Her name is Sugar, joke. She's going to take levels in sorcerer. <laughs> Seems right. I mean, I know that I'm going to play another divine caster of some sort, but it really depends on where we are and what we're doing of so what no. class and so you do not deity. Have it fleshed out. Yeah. It's it's hard. it would be hard to do that for this adventure path because you depending on Horus forbid anything happened to Onuris. Ooh, Teddy Sura. I don't know if I can play a. <laughs> I don't know if Rick would let me play a Sphinx. She's a large sized creature that would. She could shapeshift to lion. You could pretend to be an animal companion. Well, I was just saying. I, I would say that she does run into the problem where she's a creature that has class levels in a spellcasting class. Mm-hmm. So she's not actually a very high level oh, druid. Yeah. She has so many levels yeah. from being a Sphinx. Yeah. So you lose a lot of spellcasting. Yeah, it just depends on where we are and what we're doing. Um, but I would definitely be another divine caster of some po- sort to keep the rest of these people alive. <laughs> I just have a general idea. I do not have anything like totally fleshed out, but uh, it was my original character concept of doing a blind oracle, mm. uh, a tomb raiding blind oracle. Mm. Oh, interesting. It's fun. Yeah, I, I have I have class and race. That that that's it. Like I don't have a name. I don't yeah, have a backstory. That, I don't I, like I, legi- I legitimately like. I tend to think of, of backup characters when they become necessary because I I don't want what the worst thing I could do to Sudi is to get really excited for what the backup character is going to be you know because that mm-hmm. feels like I'm just kind of setting myself up for failure so that's a little superstition that I have. Uh, I when I was playing Sagira I had a backup character was a wizard and uh, <laughs> now I don't but I figure I'll just be whatever well, makes sense. Well, because you you originally, I think when we were we were talking backup characters at some point, you said you were going to do like a gunslinger. Half-orc gunslinger. Like a half orc gunslinger. Yeah, you're a half-orc gunslinger. And then that's that's shifted when we saw that we really need an, an arcane yeah, know, so person. So it, it does change. It also depends on who else dies with me. Fair. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Because yeah. if it's on Uris and I, maybe I'll be a divine caster and on Uris can be arcane. We don't know. Yeah, yep. that's true. Well, not on Uris. Heather. Heather playing a character that's not on your risk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's fair. I will say from a from a game master standpoint, I often do kind of keep in mind places where when Jessica wanted to bring in Hollis, I had immediate ideas on how Hollis would fit into the third book. Mm-hmm. And that so it can cool. provide like the feedback and, you know, that will be expanded as this book goes on and as the story goes on. And the same thing kind of applies to everyone else that I, the moment that the party entered into the necropolis, I had in the back of my mind suggestions for, actually, I'll, I'll even let this, uh, this from behind the screens and everything else. I mentioned whenever I was playing Unwrapped Harmony about how there were other members of the Dark Folk yep. out there. And I even mentioned that one of them was missing. 
Yeah. As, I specifically as a, did that if a party member died so that they yep. could actually make a dark folk and come in playing a new character that suddenly, you know, if Sudi had died, suddenly, boom, this dark folk fighter or a slayer or something shows it. Yeah. Dark folk slayer would be amazing. Dark folk slayer would yeah. actually probably be what I would go for. That would be really fitting. And even going into this book, I've had a couple of ideas of, you know, if if Onuris or if Citra or someone should die. Here's what I would suggest for bringing in a new character. Risengard. Risengard would be an interesting one to do. Um, but yeah, it is the only sane cleric of Nethys in this entire city. Hey, I'm sane. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. not a cleric. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a priest. But it's not a cleric. There's still Kelru. Oh, yeah, Kelru. He's. You can follow Toth or uh, one but of those guys. Josh also says, Thanks you, thank you for everything you're doing. Hope it carries on for many years. P.S. You better not let Sudi die. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yay, everybody loves Sudi. But, but he has such an interesting backup character. <laughs> thank, thank you, Josh. I'm glad we can help you feel better. That's important. We'll try yes, to keep Sudi alive. Also, thanks for being Team Sudi. Yeah. Team Sudi. We, we, we don't really do the whole life. We apologize you know? about episode 84. <laughs> yeah, Team but Solace was Team, team Solace was not, was a very short partnership. We had some struggles, and it was bad. Yep. But that's the last of our emails for this after party, and I think we're down to one uh, goddess to cast. Uh, yeah, no, we've got two. I know. Yeah, two. Flip, uh, flip a coin if you have one. Use I one put all these. my dice and stuff away. Use one of the Pathfinder uh, coins yeah. that we have. It's not weighted correctly. Just spin just, it. Just, just spin it. Spin it. Yeah, it. See. Rachel will do it. But it's going to land. Yeah, see, it's always going to land You didn't like pick a that. side. Which one's oh, which? Because it's weighted. Give me a D4. No, it's no. fine. <laughs> I picked top. All right, it's top. So what, well, what does, does it mean? mean? Okay, top is one. Yeah, top okay. is one. That's <laughs> what I said. I was waiting. Gracious. When I was waiting on it, we all just kept staring just, at I it. Spin. A sign. I just had to sign it. It was anything. so hypnotic. <laughs> <laughs> For this after party, we'll be casting Torag, the Crap. father of creation, the god of the forge, protection, and strategy. Torag is an ancient god. And his dwarven followers credit him with the creation of the world at his great forge, striking his new work again and again with his hammer to get the shape he desired. As rocks tumbled and sparks flew, the dwarves were born, beings made of the stone with the bellies full of fire. Even with setbacks over the millennia, under his stern eyes, the dwarves have found prosperity. Torag is a hard and proud patriarch, a distant but loving father. Though every dwarf who falls in battle pains his heart, he keeps his eye on the future and the countless dwarven lives extending forward into eternity, like golden links in a mighty coat of mel. He is often thought of as purely dwarven god, yet con continues to gain traction amongst humans. Torag loves the dwarven race and has come to love his non-dwarven worshippers, but withholds most direct aid and affection from both, for he sees life as a hard journey, and if he sheltered his children from all hardships, they would not know the value of their own hard work or the satisfaction of their achievements. He created the dwarves to be tough, stubborn, wise, and creative, traits they would need to persevere and overcome all obstacles, and expects all his worshippers of all races and walks of life to seek and embody those traits. He opposes those who act without thinking, rebel, or place their community at risk. Uh, when Torag appears to his worshippers, he is an older but hardy dwarf clad in heavy plate with eyes glowing like molten gold. His hair and beard may be of any common dwarven hair color, often with streaks of gray, and his hands are worn and scarred from centuries of hard work. 
He exudes a palpable aura of power and wisdom and safety. In art, he is always depicted in intricate armor and typically shown busy at his forge hammering out weapons or shield. Some images depict him as a mighty guardian shielding dwarven children with his body as he clears away orcs and trolls with mighty sweeps All from right. his warhammer, Calgamos. All right, I got it. I got right, one. I've got one, Me too. Me too, I'm ready. All right. I've got mine, but I need to look them up. Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's mm. interesting. Oh, that's that's a bold one, because I bad. can't remember the last time I saw him with a beard in anything. Uh, uh, Odin? Or, yeah. He's Oh, Odin. duh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. He's so good at acting, you forgot that was him. I did forget that was him. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the Odin angle's in there, but he, he's he got a very wide range, and he can, especially, he I, can uh, do that protective, uh, like, older, also stronger state, I have figure. never seen him in anything I disliked him in, yeah. ever. Like, that man is just such a gift. And I double-checked. I, I, I put him up for Gozra, but he lost, so he hasn't been casted <laughs> as anything. Yeah, nice, nice. So, Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's pretty Torag. good. Torag. Pretty good one. All right, so Rick's still looking. Rachel? Um, okay. So this gentleman has a very long acting history. I freaking love him. Uh, Brian Cox. I don't know who that is. Um, he plays the, like, uncle figure in Braveheart. He was in Troy. He played the uh, Agamemnon. He's been in everything. He's he's uh, the bad guy in X Men Two. He just oh okay I know you're yeah, okay I know you're talking like, about. Hold on, he was Striker in X Men Two, right? That guy. Okay, now that I've seen a picture, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And but he's got he's got that voice. He's got that presence, and he can go from absolutely terrifying villain. But in some movies, he's like just the sweetest old caring man, and I'm like, yeah. Nice. But he also just kind of in my brain looks a little dwarfish, nice. like like okay. like dwarf, yeah. not yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, going for a little bit unusual for me um, from somebody from an actor people may have actually heard of, uh, Ian McShane. Ooh, oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. Like, yeah. yeah, I could definitely see that one. He's yeah. really solid. Okay. He's super solid. He's got that like he can do the intensity mm-hmm. really well. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything with a beard. But I just imagine he'd be yeah, fine with a beard. Yeah, he's been in a beard tons of times. Yeah, okay. The last thing I saw he played him Blackbeard. In... Oh, really? Yes. Wait, what? Yeah, one of the crappy parts of the Gary movies, oh, but I he bl- played Blackbeard. Okay, you actually <laughs> saw those movies, so no, uh, no. The last thing I saw him in was um, uh, HBO's uh, American Gods. He's and also I, Game of Thrones for like two episodes. Dude, I was also in uh, John Wick. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. the he's like the leader of the uh, whole continental. Yeah, yeah. So yeah the leader of the continental in John Wick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. So he does a bunch of great stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. Ian McShane's on my on my list. Man, as much as great. I like my choice, that one is really yeah. Tough. Yeah, I, yeah, I told you it was weird because I picked one that people would actually know. <laughs> All right, what you got? Also Jess? plays Odin in American yeah. Gods. <laughs> oh, that's right, he is Odin. Yeah, it's, I, I was we got two Odins yeah. up in here. Spoiler alert: was, he plays Odin. Wait, I mean, Odin yeah. is very. It works for dwarves. I think it's true. Okay. All right. Richard Armitage. Well, oh, that's okay. on the nose. Yeah, okay, that was way too on the nose. Come on, Thorn Oakenshield. Oh my god! I mean, come on though. Actually, uh, as a fun side note, just a shout out to another podcast that doesn't need a shout out from us because they are Marvel based. Uh, uh, but he does the voice of Wolverine in the Wolverine podcast uh, that came out. It's a Wolverine uh, podcast. It's actually it's really good. He's also uh, in the he Castlevania. Makes a good Wolverine. He did, he's the he's Trevor Beaumont in the Castlevania he's Trevor Beaumont, series. Yeah, the Castlevania too. series also. How yeah, did none of us? Maybe you picked this one. How did none of us pick John Reese Davies? I considered it. But I thought I it was too on the nose. Uh, I thought it was too on the nose. I thought about like Thorin Oakenshield was on the nose. That's why I didn't take. I almost did Brendan Gleeson. 
So, so I I've, picked him for a wrestler. So I've got my pick. Uh-huh. I, I will say that actually, I, I really okay. love Richard Armitage, but uh, I do have my pick. My pick is a little bit more based just on the the voice more so than the necessary description of him. But Christopher Judge, who most people would know, in hey, uh, yeah, he's uh, Teal'c on oh, Stargate yeah. SG One because he's, he voices Kratos. He's, he's also Kratos, Kratos. And, yeah. and does an amazing job as that that gruff but distant father caring for his children while not really while making them. Atreus, yes, uh, he's so, uh, he is such a good voice actor. He's a really good actor. Yeah, um, I, you know he's a. Uh, He's a phenomenal actor, honestly, just in general. So yeah, he's just, great. I, I love him most. Things. I think and, we and got Stargate. Come on, we yeah. have five solid choices oh, here. Yeah, yeah well, the Jordans tempted me. I know. Yeah, I don't know. So Jess is, I'm really. I mean, I love Anthony Hopkins, but Richard Armitage. But I think yeah. Anthony Hopkins. I'm sticking with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Rick, Richard Armitage is good, but Anthony Hopkins is good. They're all good. Yeah, <laughs> I right. to save Richard Armitage uh, if he doesn't make this for inevitably casting the rest of the Dwarven pantheon. <laughs> I, be doing, but, I, I mean, yeah. we got one more. <laughs> After party, where we got to cast Kalista, and then what are we going to, guys? We'll just, I just mean, the Egyptian podcast. pantheon. I think. Yeah, I think no. Egyptian pantheon. <laughs> Although I don't know because like they're animal heads. Yeah, they're all animal heads. Not all so. of them. Osiris is animal heads. Oh, okay, so most uh, of them. Osiris. No, we did Horus. Osiris isn't. Isis isn't. Hathor. I don't. No, Hathor. Set's wife. It starts with an N. I don't think she has an animal head. Okay, but let's like four. We need something with way more one way. <laughs> anyway, we'll figure uh, out something. Vote for vote for Anthony Hopkins Ian for Torag. Ian McShane, y'all. Although, if, by the way, if you have not, it, honestly, if you just go and look at or and uh, listen to some of the the clips and everything from God of War, Christopher Judge kills. Oh like no, God he of War the, the, the great part about that he not only kills it, he also did all the mocap. So yeah. he did yeah. all the cutscenes. You know, yeah. and everything is yeah. fantastic. But as always, thank you for listening, Path Folk. Yep. Also, send suggestions for what you guys want us to cast next, I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, cool. we've got I mean, one more after party with Kalistra, and I, then I've we're heard out. A lot of people say that uh, they would love to hear us do a casting for, like, the major NPCs, like casting Mom and Afra and. Uh, oh, Tepin that'd be Just for the record, Falto is Chris Evans. <laughs> Yeah. Just say. Okay, okay, but is he human torch Chris Evans or Captain America no, Chris Evans? No, he is losers Chris Evans. Yes, losers he is Chris losers Evans. Chris Evans because it's perfect. Okay, all right. I would have par- personally gone just because of the swagger and everything, although he was a... a- in that, but Scott Pilgrim, Chris Evans. No, because I can no, because in the losers, can you not imagine Falto wearing what is the the Petunias, Petunias. t-shirt? Like that is totally something Falto would do. The losers, by the way. Yes, okay. if you haven't seen it, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's funny. Should have gotten a sequel, and it didn't. I know. Bodie and McShane. Brian Cox. Richard Hatch. Until next time, Pathfinders. Folk! They are the Path Folk. You can't sign off. I'm hosting this. <laughs> Until next time, Path Folk. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Buddy and McShane. Wow. <laughs> I, need, I need a victory. You got a victory. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.